Welcome to episode 186 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we break down the Big Ten and talk with Josh Pate from 247 Sports and Late Kick with Josh Pate. We also discuss Chris's egregious QB rankings on social media and the final SP Plus preseason power rankings. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Find clips from the show on Twitter at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored. On Instagram and TikTok at SaturdayDownSouth. Find us on YouTube at Saturday Down South. And now here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck. And with me, as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, Chris Marler. Chris, fantastic episode on deck today. This is like the best day. It was a great day. We talked about Big Ten football. We talked about crabs. We talked about all. Like I tell you what, I I'm not just saying this because everyone loves him, or that because we had him on the podcast today. But I was talking to with you about this after the episode when we recorded with him earlier today, and I was talking about the I was talking about it with our social media guy Alex, um, who had the exact same thing to say. I I just love Paige so much and like having him on the show is great for one but he just like what i love about pate is the thing you said and, then, and that alex said which is no matter what he's on he just he's gives his like full effort, full effort. yeah 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 total psychopath for not listening to music while he works out but but also full effort which i really i really love so it's cool yeah so stick around for that interview fantastic interview we we kind of spanned the globe of college football we didn't just talk one conference yeah um what else is going on man i saw that the uh final preseason sp plus rankings came out yeah we're not gonna talk about about the the blind side thing that was that was something oh yeah yeah (laughs) it's like one of the one of the like least shocking but sad things i don't know it's just like you could kind of feel that coming at some point almost yeah and like I was, I think they asked me, I was on radio this morning for, with Darian Doring and like, they asked oh, me about like, who the bad guy was. And I was like, cause at the end of the movie, remember the incident of Blaze in there and, and he's like defending it. And I'm like, I, I was like, well, the incident of Blaze is always the bad guy, but there are some different Correct. reports here. I, I'm not going to overspeak. Like we said, like on the last episode with the, the Kip and stuff, like <clears throat> I'm not that well versed on the ins and outs of it. As you guys know, I joke around about it a lot, but like, there's always extra layers to shit when family's involved. So I, d- I don't know the ins and outs of that stuff. I have a very close friend of mine who dated SJ and not, oh. not a huge fan of that. Um, but I just, you know, like I, 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 I don't know. I, so, I just, so he filed a, Michael Orr filed a 14 page petition in Shelby County, Tennessee Mm-hmm. that alleges that the Tui family who took him in in August of 2004 yeah. misled him into believing he was being adopted, but really he was going into a conservatorship that gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. He also alleges that he saw not a dime from the 2009 movie, The Blind Side, which earned over $300 million. In gross revenue. Right. 
Okay, so and, he, and the reason I say that is this, because the kids got $255,000 apiece, and then they all got two and a half of the net revenue, which we have not, I haven't seen any numbers on what that is. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, either way, it's a lot of money, right? Like, like, I don't think they're hurting. They never were hurting in the first place. I'd say one of my biggest takeaways out of this is whoever the fuck was in charge of that, that person's last name was a real asshole. Tui, T-U-H-O-Y. Is it time that we all just join hands across the world in America and like, but let's just like redo. We need to start redoing some words. Like we repave, we repave the streets and highways, and we get potholes and stuff. It is time to circle back on a couple of words around like the English language and fix them. Like I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to 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 write the word rendezvous in my fucking phone, seeing that red squiggly line. Because also, I know, I know you know what word I'm trying to use, Apple. Okay. Let's be fucking honest with ourselves. You're just being a dick at this point because I didn't know there was a Z in it. Rerudo. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a line has a G? What? According to the legal filing, the movie paid the Tuies and their two birth children $225,000 each, plus 2.5% of the film's, quote, defined net proceeds. That's Michael Orr's crazy. petition says he received no money at all. Yeah. But also, Chantui, there's rumors that he tried to extort them for like 10, 10 figures, six, eight figures, eight figures, 10, eight figures. Yeah. Sean, by the way, Sean Tui told the Memphian, which is, I guess, the Memphian, the Ooh. Memphis. Yeah, the Memphian. It's weird uh, that the family was not paid directly for the film. He said we didn't make any money off the movie. There's no fucking way that's real. That guy owned a bunch of Taco Bells and shit. You think he wasn't trying to make money off that movie? Get the fuck out of here. Also, the Minthian? Ugh. That sounds like an underwater sea creature. Um, SJ went on Barstool on Monday and told their side of the story. So for those that wanted to do that. He's a good dude. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts on the final SP Plus rankings that came out from um, Bill Connolly on ESPN, who... I really like the SP plus rankings because they take, they take out or, or they factor in tempo because, you know, if you, if you, if you quote like total yards in a game or total plays, it's people play different tempos opponent adjusted as well. Um, it just measures how efficient a team is. Number one yeah. team. Who's your guess, Chris? It, so if, if it's an SP, it's gotta be Georgia, right? It is Georgia. Number two, Ohio state. Correct. Number three, I'm going to say it's Michigan. It is Michigan. Then Bama. Then Bama. And then I'll say at five, tell me all the things that go into it again. So it factors in um, tempo and opponent adjustments. So like if you have a harder schedule, um, it factors that in. Strength of schedule, returning, um, returning, experience those kind of things okay. recruiting so, number five i'm gonna go is it can you give me a hint is it is it something pepper we got it we got it is it something out on a, on a limb um no i would say that this is a, definitely a team well within the top 10 penn state close penn state is six okay so five is probably oh is it is it usc usc is 10 good Love that. Is it LSU? It is LSU. And then number seven is going to be Texas. Texas is nine. So far, mm-hmm. you've guessed all teams in the top ten, which is good. Yeah, I'm really good at this game. Is Oregon in there? 
Oregon is number 13. God, mother. Is Tennessee in there? Because I'll kill Tennessee myself. Tennessee is right eight. Now. Mother. Fuck. I don't know. I don't even want to play number this game seven, anymore. Number seven is Clemson. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. Wait, Florida State. Florida State 11? is 12. Ooh. Notre Dame is 11. Really? So, um, I guess for the SP plus rankings, after factoring everything in, you're factored a number. So the highest number is Georgia, 29.2. So right, to give yeah. you an example of how far Georgia and Ohio State are, Georgia's 29.0. So pretty similar. Um, a team like USC is 20.9. So right. pretty far, pretty far down below Georgia. And Florida State's 19.1. So what is um, what is Bama? Pretty clear top four. So Georgia's 29-2, Ohio State's 29-0, Michigan's 28-6, Bama's 28-1, and then LSU jumps down to 23-3. Well, I love that. So pretty clear top four here, uh, according yeah. to Bill Connolly. And he makes sure that you know that these are a predictive measure of the most sustainable and predictable aspects of football, not a resume ranking along those same lines. These projections aren't intended to be a guess at what the AP top 25 will look like at the end of the year. Right. The, these are simply early off-season power rankings based on the information we have been able to gather to date. So okay. he's done a really good job, I think, over time. And these rankings will obviously adjust as teams play. But he's he's done a pretty good job over the course of the last couple of years. Um, well, they take you through the rest of the top 25. Because we've done – who uh, y'all were 12, of Notre Dame was 11, 13 was – and I don't really want to guess anymore, but like just yeah. kind of just kind of mow through it. So starting with uh 14, because 13 was Oregon, you got 14 Utah, 15 Oklahoma, 16 Texas AM. Interesting. Whoa. 17 Washington, 18 Ole wow. Miss. Uh 19 Wisconsin, 20 Wait, Kansas 18 State. Sorry. 18, 18 with Ole Miss. Okay. 19 Wisconsin, 20 Kansas State, 21 TCU. And then the top 25 finishes out with Iowa, Florida, number wow. 23, Kentucky, North Carolina, right outside the top 25, Auburn at 26. I'm just telling you, this is like just the stuff that nightmares are made of. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Do yeah. you want to talk about Big Ten? Because I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I, so I'm glad you said it because I, all jokes aside, I am too. I, like, we need to be like, embarrassed about that. I don't know. This it kind of feels like. What's the best way to put it? It kind of feels like you know when you're like in your twenties and you're like, oh, moisturizing is stupid or something, and then you get to your thirties and you're like, oh, I kind of. I mean, moisturizing, having a skincare routine is good. That's kind of how I feel about this. But yeah. also, it's like, let's not kid ourselves. Like this is. It's like if skincare was largely like, I don't know. I don't know the the joke I'm trying to make now. It's a failed joke. I fucked up. Fuck. <laughs> Um, skincare right. only had three good skins okay out of the 14 total skins in your entire lifetime um i am i am genuinely excited for this year i just think that there's like i think that there's a lot more fun that can happen with this conference i i talked about with dustin shooty we talked a little bit about pate one thing also with pate that that i i feel like sometimes when you say stuff on here or you have a take I kind of wonder, like, oh man, like I, I hope that's not too up, too far out there, or like maybe I, I hope I'm not too far off or anything like that. 
and then when like paid agrees with it or somebody like bigger name i'm like oh it kind of feels like it's like confirmation of the, like you know of knowledge or a confirmation bias or like yeah. you know just just things like that stuff with penn state the sec or the big 10 east being a little bit deeper than than the sc west i, I think that's like a very reasonable take this year i think mm-hmm. that like top to bottom the big 10 is going to be really good i'm not saying it's going to be better than the sec but I just think that there's like more fun in this league this year. Like, like you know, Kevin Sumlin is the OC at Maryland. I did not know that. He's the co-OC apparently, according to Dustin Trudy. I kind of looked it up, but I didn't. Um, so maybe you looked that up while yeah, talking. That up. But like, but that we talk about the Phil Longo thing at, at, at Wisconsin. You already have um, Braylon Allen there, number zero, the running back. Okay, so, good. so that's not. Josh Gaddis. Yeah, but with Kevin Sumlin. Sumlin's like on the staff. Hmm. Why are you making that face? Well, I'm just trying to find his name here on Phil Steele's magazine. Phil Steele doesn't know shit. Um... <laughs> okay, anyway, let's get back into it. So I, I do think there's like a lot of good teams. I, the Big Ten is surprising for a lot of reasons. And I'll give you some fun facts about the Big Ten. Okay. While you're looking at that, one, you know that when you look at the recruiting budgets for the Big Ten, do you know who the number two highest recruiting budget in the entire conference is? Well, I know Ohio State's got to be one. Nope. And there's not. Ohio State's recruiting budget is fifth. Mm-hmm. This is as of last year. It's under a million dollars. It's like nine, so then nine Michigan, number one. I think Michigan's number one. Okay, well, my my first guess would be Penn State. Rutgers. All that money, and they still ain't got no crutes. Um, (laughs) So Rutgers is up there. Uh, That's I thought that was interesting. There's this. There's like when you think about the Big Ten this year again, the Phil Longer thing. Maryland having like like I, I hate Josh Gaddis, but Loxley and him were good at Alabama. Now, keep in mind, Loxley and Gaddis were the two play callers in the 2018 season for Alabama. Loxley was the OC, but, like, that's who was working on that offense with Tua and Judy and, and, and Josh Jacobs and all those all that talent. Um, I just think that they're coming along well. Matt Rule is not, like, a guy that just has turned around programs quickly. He's, done, he's turned around programs, obviously, and has a great track record of doing so. He hasn't had like the Hugh Freeze effect where it's like right off the bat. Um, but I think Nebraska could be fun. Iowa, like Iowa's gonna be good, man. Ill, like Illinois, like the, the best defense in the, the Big Ten last year. Yeah, they, uh, we'll, you'll awesome. hear it later in the show, and I'll 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 spoil alert it now because it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. But Dustin Shooty says he thinks that that. Iowa could be a top 20 team in the country if they're ranked inside the top 75 of offense. I've never heard anything like that in my life. <laughs> um, so the only, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? just from like, just 30,000 I, I high level, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think the ongoing battle between Michigan and Ohio state and the recent turn that's gone in Michigan's direction mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of like, we'll get into the, the win totals here in a minute, but I think there's like a lot of ambiguity around Ohio state right now, which is yeah. the first time it's felt like that in a while. Um, 
you know, I think it's interesting. Michigan State, they had that one good year. They paid Mel Tucker a whole bunch of money. They're, they were horrible last year. Their win total this year is four and a half. So, like, could they be a surprise? You got Fickle at Wisconsin. I think that's going to be a really good story. And, I mean, he could come in right away and dominate the West Division. Dude, um, you know who his quarterback is? It's uh, the kid from SMU, right? Tanner Mordecai? Yeah, Tanner Mordecai. He's got like 80 touchdowns in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Right. Um, you know, there's been some recent teams that have risen up the rankings that used to be bottom dwellers like Illinois mm-hmm. that I think are really good defensively. They have one, they have maybe the best D tackle in the nation. Yep. Um, so I think it's gonna be a fun year. And I think, um, slowly when you start to add guys like fickle and you start to add, you know, Loxley at Maryland, it's starting to be a more fun conference as far as like offenses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that now, and I asked this to, to Dustin, because here's the thing, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Those are your top four games, no matter what. Like, no matter what. Like, those are the top four games I would tune in for in this conference. I do think, and you saw it last year in November, like Michigan, who was untested throughout most of the year, they get to November. They play Illinois, who's got one of the best teams in the country, and they're they're in a, like a dogfight in the fourth quarter with them at at home. Like Illinois, no. they lost some offensive firepower, but they they've got a that team is built the way Brett Bielema knows how to build a team, and it's from the inside out. You you build an offensive line, defensive line, and then you go from there. You are physical, and that like in the Big Ten, you can still do that, and and I think that'll be very interesting to see. Um, I don't really give a shit about Purdue. I don't really give a shit about Indiana. I don't really give a shit about Northwestern. But there's – and Rutgers, I will never watch a game that they play ever unless it's a Thursday night. I don't know. But, like, oh, there, there are some teams in this conference and games in this conference, I think, that are going to be fun to watch. Nebraska-Michigan. I don't know if Iowa-Michigan play each other, but Iowa's going to be a good team this year. Dude, you know what's um, going to be a really good game um, that could – potentially ruin Penn state season is Penn state going to Illinois. Yeah. You know, like there's just interesting games like that. So let's get into it. Do you want to start at the top of the conference with Michigan? Yeah. But can I tell you just one story real quick about big 10? Yeah. I'd love to hear a story about the big 10. I just want to, this is the big 10 is known for a lot of things. And one thing they're definitely known for is trophy games. And I just want to tell you the tale of one of the dumbest trophies ever. If you okay. if you've noticed all of the trophies, they're all fucking stupid. They're like housewares from like the antebellum times or some sort of weird Paul Bunyan cosplay. Like Paul Bunyan's axe. Like it, it took it, reading these. I forgot that Paul Bunyan wasn't a real person, and I'm pretty sure most people in states that are in the Big Ten still don't know that. Because they play for a lot of Paul Bunyan shit. They have the brown, the little brown jug, the old oaken bucket. It's, oh, a, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it, it is most of these things, like several of these trophies, are, like, I just feel like, like, hey, man, remember this year we're doing a trophy. So let's make sure we was like, yeah, we got like five months of the game. Who cares? And then just like your fucking seventh grade science project, you wake up like day of, like, that's due today. Okay, I'll figure it out. And then you just grab something from the house. But the old oaken bucket, was brought to life for the 
I think this year is the 99th year of his, of his existence. Um, and it's given to the winner of Indiana Purdue every year. Now Man, you're getting people fired up for this big 10 preview. I know. I know. Just let me tell you the story. I love it. So they, they could have made a new bucket. They could have fashioned one out of something, but they were like, no, we need to go around the Hoosier state to find the perfect bucket. This is real. So they just went well diving, trying to find, and they found one in some town. They're like, that's the bucket. So they pulled it up. They took it in. They're like, this is now the trophy. And we're going to attach P's and I's that are brass, brass P's and I's that are like three and a half inches tall to the bucket whenever somebody wins. Okay. Okay. Which is real dumb um, because they didn't realize how many of those you had to put on there. Anyway, so they brought this to life. Um, it became one of the first trophies in all of college football and in the Big Ten, the old oaken bucket. And it's given to the winner of that, that game every year. But fun fact, as shitty as it sounds, the very first year of this rivalry, do you know what the score of the game was and who won? Three to zero. Zero, zero tie. Oh, okay. So even the bucket didn't want to go home with one of these fucking teams. But we're fired up. Big Ten preview. That's my historical history lesson where you go. All right. Michigan, ten and a half. Um, This one just comes down to the schedule. I don't know that I love J.J. McCarthy, but I also think he may be the best QB in the Big Ten as of now. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Talia, you've got yeah. Anna Mordecai at Wisconsin, you've got, we don't know who's going to be at Ohio State, but you got to think they're going to be putting up big numbers. Mm-hmm. I think McCarthy's probably the best, but I don't think he's like anything special. Um, to me, you boil down their schedule to at Minnesota, which is, I think, a pretty easy game. But when you look at their schedule, it's one of the hardest. Yeah. At Penn State, which is a tough game, and Ohio State. Yeah. And they're um, all pretty spaced out too, right? They are. Uh, well, Penn State, so here's the trap game that I think would be interesting for Michigan. November looks like at Penn State, November 11th, you've got a game in between Ohio State and Penn State, and it's at Maryland. I love that. I love that. That is super sneaky. November 18th. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind when Maryland loses by 60. <laughs> <laughs> but, Listen, Maryland is knocking off someone this year. Yeah. They are beating someone. I mean, you Michigan was obviously they lost to TCU in the playoff last year, so I think they've got a chip on their shoulder, a lot to prove still. Mm-hmm. Um, no one thinks they can beat the SEC, so and they've got this whole like Georgia thing going on in the off yeah. season. Um, if you liked them last year, pretty much, you know, the main guys, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, those guys are back. Defense is going to be good again. Um, I think they're the best team in the S in the, the Big Ten. Wow. Spoiler alert, I think they probably win the conference. Yeah, I don't. I just don't believe in them. And, and, he, and I'll be very honest about this assessment, is that it's a poor assessment out of me. I, okay. they, they have one of the best – they probably have the best backfield in the country. They Like, that, that team was very different. Blake Corum probably was your Heisman frontrunner a year ago until he got hurt um, late in the year. I imagine if he plays in that Ohio State game and puts up the numbers that we probably – think he could have considering what like they ran through them um then you know like i i think he probably wins the highs he had like 19 touchdowns last year and that was yeah, like through was, like 10 or 11 weeks 
18 um, touchdown, 1,463 yards. That's crazy. So, yeah. and they, they were beating people by a lot. So it's like not like he was in like late in a bunch of games. And they also have like a, a fantastic second string, uh, you know, running back as well. Donovan Edwards. Monster, Donovan, yeah. Um, so, but I just don't believe in Michigan. I just, I don't. And, and, I, and I won't until I see them beat teams that are good. And I mean, I'll I, I tell you what, I won't believe in them until they, I see them beat teams that are elite. They should have beat TCU last year. They got embarrassed. I, it, I understand losing to Georgia. I do. I understand getting manhandled by Georgia and all that kind of stuff a couple of years ago. You weren't physical. Does this team look different now? Probably so. Um, I think from a roster standpoint, they have, they have really, really recruited well. Um, and they have a lot returning. I just can't believe in Michigan or Jim Harbaugh because of, of the full body of work. I'm not, I'm not going to do what Georgia fans do and just look at the last two years because I don't think that that trend is where this program and where Jim Harbaugh really is because there's just so much mediocrity that's happened in a majority of the years he's been at Michigan. And I, and I don't believe that it's like just fixed. I, my, my pick, are we, are we doing picks? I just, I mean, for the over-under on the oh. 10 and a half. I'm going to take the under. Wow. I don't think they beat Ohio State for a third year in a row, and I don't think they go into Happy Valley and beat them either. I'm thinking seven yeah, okay. wins. <laughs> they go seven and five after putting a Georgia period in. I will, I will piss my pants tough. and It's a tough look. All right, let's, let's move over to Ohio State because um, they also have a 10 and a half mm-hmm. win total. Uh, I look at this team to me, I just, I don't know enough about the QB, like the fact that there's not a QB yet. And I I get the whole, like, well, nowadays, if you name a QB, the other guy will transfer. I feel like this late, that's not going to happen. Well, the portal's not open until December, so he can't. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, cause he used to be able to transfer just middle of season. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like no one's really separating themselves. I, I haven't heard that both have been so good. That's just too impossible to pick. Yeah. So, and they have a tougher schedule than Michigan. They go to Notre Dame. They've got Penn mm-hmm. state at home. They go to Wisconsin and to Michigan. So for me with not knowing enough about the quarterback situation, they have an incredible running back, incredible receivers. So I'm sure they will be fine, but in order to be better than Michigan, I don't know enough about them, so I'm yeah. just principle of it. I'll just take the under on the ten and a half. Um, I'm gonna take I the over. To be better. Yeah, I'm gonna take the over, but I think that 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 I mean, they would it wouldn't surprise me if they were ten and two. I think they I think they improve a lot on defense. They've got a lot of talent on defense. Um, I think the quarterback situation will be okay because you've got like just the deepest receivers in the country again. Um, really good backfield. No one's talking enough about Trevion Henderson. Is really really good. Uh. That being said, that schedule is not easy. You go on the road at Notre Dame to start the year. You get Penn State at home. You get Michigan on the road. And there's a couple games in there, man. Wisconsin on the road. Wisconsin on the road and Maryland. And I think those games are like back-to-back or in like three out of four. That is not easy. So I think that will be very interesting to see how that plays out. Agreed. Um, Penn State. We'll get to the Pate interview later, but – Another spoiler alert. He's he's on the lines, and I think yeah. I am too. Well, win total nine and a half. Um, I love Penn State this year. Uh, mm-hmm. The D line, their defense should be really good. Um, yeah. They're really good at linebacker. They're good at corner. 
Um, Drew Allar, he's the number one QB coming out. A lot of hype around him. They had this year circled as the year that they were going to put everything together. They've got mm-hmm. two really good running backs. Um, tough games at Illinois. Like I said before, they get Ohio State and Michigan at home. Yeah. So they also get Ohio State after a bye. And then Wait, they get Ohio that. State at home. They hit Ohio State at home last year. I'm sorry. You're right. That is on the road. I wrote that down wrong. So that does change it. Okay. Um, but they do get Ohio State. They get by, and then they play UMass, which is basically another by. And then they play Ohio State. Yeah. So I really like that for them. They they've got, in fact, really, they do play Iowa. But like to start the year, West Virginia, Delaware, at Illinois, the is blue hands, baby, Iowa, and at Northwestern. So. I feel like they're going to have a lot of steam going in that Ohio State game, plus coming off that basic, basic double bye. I like Penn State in that game. Um, so give me Nittany Lions over, over nine and a half. Give me the Nittany Lions to win the Big Ten. Ooh, there he is. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Penn State over Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship. Penn State wins. I am so high on this team. Love or that. just high. I don't know. I haven't been doing drugs, so I don't – I mean, maybe who knows. But, I mean, like, no, I, I, I do think that, like, this team, I love what Pate said. This was going to be my pick regardless before we talked to yeah. Pate and, and talked to Dustin Chudy. You brought it up the defense. You're good at every level. You're good at every level. You got arguably the best left tackle in the country uh, to, to protect a large blindside in year one. You've also got two of the best running backs, probably the, probably the best one-two tandem in the country, if we're being honest. Um, that defense is good at every level. You have stars. You have a star at cornerback who could be a potential top ten pick. Right, you're good at linebacker, like you said, and then you're on the defensive line. That's your deepest unit besides maybe running back on the whole team. So that I think is very, very, very big. I love like going to Ohio State is going to be tough. Yeah, but the schedule sets up well, man. The schedule sets up well, and I've seen Michigan go to Penn State. I feel like a lot of times I've seen a lot of teams go to Penn State. That is a night game. That is going to be. A whiteout and loud as fuck, and I cannot wait. Yeah, that's gonna be a great game. Late November or mid November. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Maryland, uh seven and a half is the win total. I like the quarterback. Anytime you have top QB in the conference, you gotta feel mm-hmm. good. Um feels like they have six auto wins. Towson, yeah. Charlotte, Huge. Virginia, Indiana, Rutgers, Northwestern. Give me two more wins out of at Michigan State, at Ohio State, probably not. Illinois, at Nebraska. I mean, I think it's very reasonable for them to go over this. And again, when I always take the team with the QB, he's got to stay healthy. It's not a great trade of the Tagovailoas. No offense. Tagovailoas, go on. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go over Maryland on the seven and a half. They have a really good receiving core and, ha- and have recruited really well with that, at that position. Um, Loxley is a fantastic offensive play caller, probably a top three behind Ryan day. And, and I don't know who else in the, in the big team, he might be the second best play caller for being honest. I would take Longo's offense over his just because I've, it's, it's been more dangerous, um, without dudes. Loxley's had a lot of, like he's had a lot of success when he has dudes. Um, but a very, very, very underrated receiving core. Love what they have at quarterback. The, the question for me is Josh Gaddis. Because that I don't care how this sounds. That dude has been a fucking cancer everywhere he's been. He has been the worst everywhere he's been. 
And he's the one that took over for Loxley when Loxley was out the door going to Maryland in the 2018 National Championship. He was fucking miserable to work with from every single person I heard close to the situation. He was a disaster when he left Michigan to go to Miami. That offense was terrible then. He's yeah. been bad everywhere he's gone. So this is a very interesting hire, in my opinion, that, that Loxley is going to work with him. Um, but if he stays in I mean, like, at some point, the dude, like, listen, you got to hit rock bottom at some point to go up, right? I mean, like, I, like get your shit together, dude. Like, it's, it's he, there have been, he is Andy, he's Andy from the office. He is, no one has failed up more in this fucking business than than Josh Gaddis. And he's also starting to fail down, though, because he went from he Michigan is. to Miami to Maryland. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but no, I do think, I do think. Sorry, no, he went from Alabama with. to Michigan to Miami yeah. to Maryland. He's, he's, he's just not. I just, I don't, I don't like what he's done. It's seemingly everywhere he's been, but that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong this year, but I do think they go over their win total. We'll save everyone the Rutgers, Indiana, okay, Michigan no, State. We need, to, we need to get going anyway. Wisconsin, um, they've got a total of eight and a half. Luke Fickle, year one. Phil Longo bringing the spread offense to uh-huh. Wisconsin. Um. I think with Fickle, you're going to have a good defense. You, yep. I like Tanner Mordecai transferring in from SMU. You have a tough three-game three, three stretch in the middle of the season. You've got um, Iowa at Illinois, Ohio State. That's going to yeah. really tell the tale for them this year. Um, but they should be favored in most of their games. Um, I think seven and five maybe is a, is a floor for the team. Mm-hmm. So they get in, And they get Indiana and Rutgers from the east. So I'm going to take over. Yeah. That's the thing for me. And and here's the other part that I think is really interesting when you talk about Wisconsin. Okay. It's really interesting. Wisconsin is one of those teams that was built for the run game, right? Big, strong offensive linemen. Longo's offense is is fast paced, but it's not one of these things where it's like Gus Malzahn, where you got to have like fucking 280, 270 pound linemen sprinting down the field to get to your next play. Or anything like that. So you've got some beef up front, right? You're built to run the football. You're built to run the football in a conference that is known to like do that, right? Mm-hmm. Now you get Phil Longo and you get Tanner Mordecai, and you have arguably the, you have arguably like one of the best running backs in the country, probably a top three to five guy in the league for sure, like in the Big Ten. Um, Indiana and Rutgers out of the East. Those are the two worst yeah. teams. That, like to put that in perspective, that is like if if Bama or somebody in the West got Vandy and Vandy, like if you got to play Vandy twice, like that's what that is. Like Indiana and Rutgers yeah. fucking blow, like they're terrible. <laughs> so, so I think that like I think that they're set up for success really well with that schedule. And I, you know, with Luke Fickle, they're going to be really disciplined and really really well coached, and that's what I'm most excited for. That's why they're my pick to win the or the uh, Big Ten West. Yeah, I only really want to do one more team, and it's Iowa. Yeah, Iowa's also eight and a half, which is interesting. Um, win total for me, um, it's the offense obviously has to get better because it was just downright so terrible. Uh, they do get Cade McNamara in from Michigan, who I think is a <laughs> yeah. pretty good QB. Uh, he should be a big upgrade over whatever they had last year in Spencer Peters. Um, he has 0.0 QBR. 
Good God, man. They also get a, uh, I like Caleb Johnson, the running back. Um, they get the Eric all kid, the tight end from Michigan as well. So I think they did enough in the off season to improve the offense. And I want to say that they put some incentives in the contract for Ferentz, Yeah. that he has to hit certain milestones on offense to get extensions. So that's yeah. pretty funny. And, um, Maybe it'll incentivize them to score some more points. Still think they win games ugly, but I like the defense. I'm going to go over the eight and a half on Iowa. I'm not going to touch it because I don't trust it. Also, I'm going to try to set an example for the youth of this country because of the way that uh, betting in Iowa has gone lately. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, did you see that Credit the guy who got in trouble? What? Credit to you for, for doing that. Yeah, I'm a good, I'm a good guy. Good guy alert. Um, and also great with kids in case anyone's listening. Wink, wink. Um, so, so I think the thing with Iowa too, though, uh, did you see the story the other day about the guy who was betting on the games and it turns yeah. out he bet on the under and he scored the winning touchdown to go over. <laughs> so oh, I thought that was pretty great. Anyway, Let's that's my final take on the Big Ten. We've got, um, I mean, I'm excited to see Jeff Sims from, Sims from Nebraska. Um I think that'll be. I, I I think he was really fun at times at Georgia Tech. I think he'll probably have more stuff around him at at, at Nebraska, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Big Ten football this year. I really am. I get like to be clear, I will be excited for probably one Big Ten football game each week. Like I'm not, I'm not like baby steps. Be, what's that? Baby steps. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. Yeah, this is yeah exactly exactly. This is like Dude, just wait till next year when we're getting USC, Washington, Oregon. Big Ten's going to get fun. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to your interview with Dustin Schutte about the Big Ten, and then we'll come back and talk about your silly little QB rankings. Okay, fine. Here's Dustin Schutte. We are live uh, <laughs> talking to our good friend Dustin Schutte, my former co-worker who is having a difficult time, to say the least, with his dog, Wishbone. Um, that's a seamless start. Uh and I'm so glad you, we could do this. I think we should edit that out. You I know, think we should edit that out, honestly. I, I just, I, anything I can do to paint you in a non-positive light, you know I'm going to do it. So I, it's kind of perfect. I mean, he, like, anytime I'm talking to somebody on the phone or on the computer, yeah. just in my face constantly. It is. It's is Pepper the same way? All the time. She's outside right now. And i tell you who else is like this is my mom. Like, I'll hit record. And, and we will have talked three to four times that day, and I will get a phone call from one like, and I'm like, what? What is like? The timing is incredible. Um, anyway, let's get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about the my least favorite conference with one of my favorite people. Like I said, Dustin Shooty. First off, I don't even know how to introduce you um, with like what you're doing now. So you 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 got fired from all of your jobs and you're you're now at a hobby yeah. lobby, right? Yeah, but, well I stopped had a brief stop at a McDonald's. Um, right, but right. that was mostly for the breakfast breakfast sandwich and a large oh, regular breakfast. coke. Cool. Um so yeah, I mean basically I got credentialed to go to Big 10 Media Days, that's the biggest thing. And then after getting on Big 10 Network multiple times, I was told I was some random blogger just trying to get on Big 10 Network. Which, yeah. By the way, shout out to that guy because mission freaking accomplished. I was all over that place. And it look to me, it's like you've seen that you've seen that meme of like the guy looking into the mirror pointing at himself like yeah. 
you go in there and you're going to make it all about you. If I yeah. see media days around it, that's that's what I'm going to be doing. So okay, so here's the thing, and if, if I know that most of our listeners um, have jobs and tastes, so they didn't watch Big Ten media days. You know what I mean? So Correct, right. for one, for one, um, I so I was watching I was watching this strictly because of you, and I talk a lot on this podcast about like oh you know in 2022 media days when I did the whole Brian Kelly joke about his accent and, and or southern accent and then we did the the whole thing with um sam Pittman or whatnot i crashed and burned this year with kirby smart but like you killed it man like and if, for those of you who don't know dustin is the one that asked brett belima about or belima about uh um barbie he's the one that asked the purdue head coach about some fucking peanut butter cheeseburger or some shit i don't know what kind of crap going because yes matt rule at nebraska about about chili and cinnamon rolls Correct. Yeah, big chili and cinnamon rolls guy. Apparently, so that's that's, that's that that's a, I <laughs> I can't say anything about it anymore. But yeah, I mean, teach their own, right? Yeah, I guess as long as they're not doing anything they were doing at Northwestern, I think it's all great. But um, but no, I think so. Like the the chili, the chili and cinnamon rolls. We don't need to get into that because there's going to be enough awful, awful discussion about the Big Ten already. But is that a real thing? Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, that's a hundred. I didn't know it was a real thing until, and maybe 2021. I don't know. Somebody put it out there. I think what happened was some of the a media member was wearing like a t-shirt and it said chili and cinnamon rolls. That's what Nebraska does. Like a take on football and crab cakes. Yeah. That's what Maryland does. And I was like, is this a real thing? So I tried it. I made a, uh, oh, I crock, pot full of crock, pot full of, crock pot full of chili made cinnamon rolls and then some people eat it separately. Some people dip it in there. Nobody, I think, pours it like over the top. Like it's not like oh. you would do with like this is yeah. southern ham and beans and like cornbread. You know, people like will pour that over the top of cornbread. Wait, isn't, this isn't the fucking Civil War right now. Ham and beans. <laughs> people aren't eating ham and beans down here anymore. Hey, t- <laughs> time out. Hold on. No, no, no. Time out though. S- we're talking about. We're about to talk about Big Ten offense. That dates back to the Civil War days, Chris. <laughs> that's true that is very true um okay let's get out of your disgusting food takes i don't and you look skinnier than you ever have so it makes no sense that you're in these stupid airpods that look like gauge earrings you you look like if 2005 came to life right now like you are you are you are the fourth person that's going to be getting on the bus for that show next on mtv like that's what you look like right now and I got a all black. I'm wearing all black right now, not yeah. purposefully. It's just what I have left that because I refuse to run the washing machine. So I'm like, it's like emo 2005. Yeah. Like what, if what's I that could find that, you now, things would be better. Nailed it. <laughs> I need some Avril Lavigne and uh, what's that? S- simple. Te- I can't simple remember the plan? name. Simple plan. Simple plan, yes. All right. There we go. Well, you already ruined most of my simple plan, which is just to talk about college football. So let's get into <laughs> let's get into the Big Ten. Um, okay, so we joke around a lot about how I don't like the Big Ten. I'm coming around, and, and I really – like there's a lot of stuff. We have a lot of listeners that are up in there, and which is shocking to me. Um, shout out Robert, Robert Shockley, uh, big Iowa guy. Um, we got some other people up there in Penn State land, Ohio. I, it is shocking – that we have maintained a listenership in this conference because I'm the first to give the Big Ten a lot of shit. Uh, a lot of times I think it's deserved. I will tell you my early takes on the conference, and then you and you kind of just fill me in or fill everyone in from there. I, 
we all everyone's talking about Ohio State, Michigan. I get it with very good reason. I think the Big Ten East is probably the deepest and, and best conference or division in all of college football, including the SC West this year. And it goes beyond those three. I, I love what Maryland's doing with with uh, Tua's little brother and Mike Loxley there. The one, the team I'm excited most for, and I never thought I would say this, Iowa and Wisconsin, because Wisconsin has a full on theme of 2023 transformation, transition, whatever you want to call it, into something totally new, and that offense is going to look very different than the traditional Wisconsin offenses. What, just looking over 30,000 foot view of the conference, what are your biggest takeaways, things you're most excited for going into the season? Yeah, I think that Wisconsin bringing in Tanner Mordecai, who threw for over 3,500 yards each of his last two seasons, he's got like 80 touchdown passes. I mean, I think that pretty much is, would be a record for Wisconsin in the previous 10 years, like combined. Mm-hmm. Um, like somebody used the term air raid when they were talking about Wisconsin and that just felt so out of place. And it's, I don't, I don't think with the the personnel that they have in place, they're going to throw the football more, but I don't think they're going to completely abandon what they've done to get to the big 10 championship game so many times throughout, uh, you know, the last decade or so. I think they're still going to run the ball. They still have Braylon Allen. I think it's going to be a work in progress, but you're going to see flashes of what this program is going to look like in the future. Iowa obviously got some nice, uh, additions with Cade McNamara from Michigan. He went down in mm-hmm. practice the other day. We're not really quite sure. I think he's going to be okay. But I, a lot of people are saying he might be the, the missing link. And while I think he might kind of channel some of that Nate Stanley energy from a few years ago where he's just good enough to get Iowa to the you know Big yeah. Ten championship game, get them to nine or ten wins, I'm not completely convinced that they have the playmakers around him. Their offensive line struggled a year ago. So those are some question marks about those two teams that you just mentioned. I honestly think this is going to be a hot take, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way towards Ohio State because I think Ohio State is still really, really good. But you go back to that 2016 season when Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State were all in that three-team race to win the Big Ten East. I think we're going to see something similar. I think Penn State might be the second-best team in the Big Ten East, and I know that's uncommon, but you look at they've got a new quarterback in Drew Aller uh, who I think – I don't, I mean, we don't know much about him. If he lives yeah. up to the hype, they've got a great running back combo with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the backfield. Yeah. Their offensive line play is getting better. They were the most effective team at getting to the quarterback last season. They led the mm-hmm. Big Ten in sacks. And James Franklin said at Big Ten Media Days, we think we can go three deep on the defensive line, basically across the board. That's scary for opposing offenses. And when right. you look at Ohio State having struggled on the offensive line, some of the things they lost, they're going to be bringing in a new quarterback. Obviously, they're loaded at wide receiver. Their defense wasn't great last season. I think Penn State and Michigan, I think those are the two best teams in the Big Ten East. I give the the, the nod to Michigan because they got so much returning, and their yeah. offensive line and defensive line should be really good. But I think it's a race between – Penn State and Michigan, but it's not like there's a big drop off between those two teams in Ohio State. The Buckeyes are still right there in the mix. I just give the nod to Penn State. I'm really interested to see what they can do this year. I, I am really big on Penn State. They, and I think, I don't think you're wrong about them being the second best team in the East. I think once it's all said and done, I just don't believe that Michigan and Ohio State are going to be, unless it's like a, a thing like last year where the schedule is so fucking easy for the entire year for Michigan, because people forget. That, that Michigan schedule last year was ranked 74th in the country in strength of schedule going into their 12th week of the season, which is insane to me. And I know that, that people love talking about the SEC playing Mercer and all that kind of shit in, in week 13, but 
if you're going through 11 or 12 weeks of a season, 74th ranked strength of schedule and propping up the number two, like overall in the country, I, I think that one of those two teams is going to let us down just because that, that's just what history tells us. And then Penn state, like I, the thing that has separated the, the big 10 and the sec for a long time, everyone always talks about the speed, right? But really when you think about it, like for the most part, what we saw with Georgia with just dismantling Michigan a couple of years ago, it's the old cliche of like the games are won and lost in the trenches. And if Penn state is able to go three deep on defensive line and they get Michigan at home, you know, like that's like a potential whiteout type game. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. There's there's, and here's the other thing too, just sticking in that division, give us some other storylines that you see. Cause I, I really do. There's no part of me that is going to ever tune in to a Michigan state and Minnesota game. And those, those two teams are going to surprise some people this year, I think, but like, Sell me on the rest of the division and sell some of these teams that we're overlooking. You mentioned what's his name, Braylon, Bray, Braylon Allen, yeah, Wisconsin. Braylon Allen, yeah. And now this is going to make me sound stupid because I was going to say, is he one of the most overlooked players in the country? I didn't even get his name right. Like you have the, that kind of stuff. I love Talia and what he was able to do. You got some good receivers at Maryland. Like, what are some of these? What are some of the teams that we're overlooking that are legitimate top twenty, top fifteen teams? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, that's why I asked it. I, th- <laughs> I think uh, Maryland can probably be in that conversation if you're looking at the Big Ten East. Their offense mm-hmm. is good. And I've been really impressed, too. What's going to be interesting is to see how Kevin Sumlin and Josh Gaddis kind of work on that co-offensive coordinator. And then Mike Loxley, obviously, being an offensive mind himself. I think that they've got the weapons. That's another team where I think a lot of their success is going to depend on what they can do on the offensive and defensive lines. And I, I feel like we talk about that a lot in the offseason. Yeah. But I, with Maryland, it's very true. They don't have a lot of depth there. They're not really great. But if I mean, Leah can get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. And they've got yeah. some really good playmakers uh, at the wideout and then at the running back spot. So I think that Maryland could probably be on that cusp. I think if Iowa's offense can be like just in the top 75 – like if they mm-hmm. can be in the seventies, I think that they're good enough defensively to probably be a uh, a top twenty five team. The other team that I'd probably put in that category would be Illinois. I know yeah. they lost some some big pieces last year. They they lost Chase Brown, premier running back for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lose Ryan Walters, who's defensive coordinator, who now is at Purdue. Uh, but I still think what Brett Bielema has been able to do, their offensive line has been so much better than it was at any point under Lovey Smith, probably the best in, gosh, I don't know, maybe two decades even. Yeah. So I really like what Illinois can do. Um, I, I get one, one team I am interested to see what they do is I think that Nebraska is going to be a lot better too. I'm interested. Yeah. It seems like they got depth. Jeff Sims, he's going to provide them with some, um, uh, guy who can move the ball with his arm and his legs. And then they, we talked about the civil war earlier. They're bringing back a fullback, man. So you want to channel some of that civil war energy, right? That's going to, yeah. I know that's got a lot of people in Lincoln excited. So I'm really interested. That, that's a program that I think the first couple of weeks of the season, they may not look great. The schedule is a little bit favorable. They get Minnesota right out of the gate. Um, but if they're able to win a couple of those games, that could be a three and one, four and oh, Nebraska team play in Michigan week five or six, whatever it turns out uh, to be on the schedule. And real quick, to yeah. interrupt you and, and to, to, to piggyback on your point, they get Michigan at home. And if you think that's not a big deal, it's the first time Michigan is leaving the fucking state of Michigan in the month of September since 2020. And so, that, like, it's at least foreign territory, literally, when you're going to Lincoln. And I think what how that helps Nebraska is, again, that Minnesota game is going to be really tough. But the good part for Nebraska is – 
Minnesota's going to have no film on them right early in the season, even though it's a road game. I think that the mystery behind and what PJ Flex said this, they're going to have to basically game plan for ghosts. Maybe Nebraska is able to sneak out a win there. If they're able to get that and build momentum, because I think that team's going to be better as the season goes along, if yeah. they get enough momentum and they're four and even if they do drop that game against Minnesota, I think they're three and one heading into that game. Get better, get momentum. I'm not saying they'll beat Michigan, but could they give them a game? Absolutely. I think yeah. they could put a scare in Michigan. We'll see. I could be getting ahead of myself. Those are some teams I I'd keep an eye on. Like the Big Ten West, just like every year, it's a jumbled mess, right? Like I right. don't think I don't think Nebraska is going to be good enough to win the division this year because I think at a, at some point um, the schedule will kept catch up with them. I think Purdue's going through too much transition wise. And then obviously the disaster with Northwestern, if they can win one game, it might be a, a successful season for them. So yeah, those are just, some I don't, of the teams. Don't I don't really see game. like Indiana. I don't think is good. <laughs> That's very possible. Yeah. Uh, like Indiana, I don't think it's going to make a big enough jump. Rutgers is getting better, but in the big tennis, I'll tell you one team though, and maybe you were, hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes here with these questions, but like, I feel like Mel Tucker, I don't know that he's going to be on the hot seat with a bad seat, or uh, I don't know that he's going to get fired with a bad season this year, but he could be on the hot seat. I I know he said that they've got the most talented roster he's got since they've been there, but it just feels like to me he's building a team each season as opposed to a program, Right. and I don't know that that's going to be successful. The schedule's tough. I I think Michigan State might be maybe the biggest disappointment in the Big Ten this year. Wow, that's just saying a lot too, because they were they were pretty disappointing last season. You think about the Big Ten West. I, I always think about this when I think about the Big Ten West. Have you ever seen that? You're not on the internet nearly as much as I am, but there's like a video of, of, of like it's become like a video meme where it's like this guy's like in an old 1920s type. It's like a bare knuckle boxing thing, and there's like all these like yes. two or three smaller guys running at him. Like like the Big Ten West is the epitome of like asking like a grown ass dude like. How many kindergartners do you think you could beat up? Because that's like that's like at the end of the season every year. It's like okay, here's Michigan. How many fucking five year olds are you going to throw at them before they 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 topple over? And that's the Big Ten West, I think, in a nutshell. I, I think like you brought up like Mel Tucker. He signs that ridiculous contract, and yeah, we all just kind of sat there and were like, "Good for Mel Tucker," because it is good for Mel Tucker. Good for you. Go get the bag. All that kind of stuff. Right. It that is a lot of money to throw at a guy that really underperformed last year. So I would, my next question was going to be, if you're talking about a hot seat situation, because like, it's obviously not going to be Nebraska. Um, you like PJ Fleck. I don't know what kind of like, if he's on thin ice at all, just because of some of the off season stuff, no matter how true all that is. But like, I will say that this, this entire year to me going into it sets up kind of how I viewed the big 10 in like early November, 2019. Like, like, there's a lot of teams that could really challenge. I don't know what they're going to look like at the end of the year in, in terms of top 25 teams, but, like, there's a lot more depth in this conference. Um, looking at games, looking at games, obviously Ohio State-Michigan. Yep. Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State-Michigan, all that kind of stuff. Give me another game or two or three that, that you have circle on your calendar that are, that are not the ones that we would normally think about, that, that are going to be must-see TV. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's, that's a tough question. I haven't given a dive into the schedule that much. I guess I would say, I think, I think the Iowa 
Illinois game is really intriguing because I think that those are two teams that are going to be fighting it out for the division. Um, mm-hmm. And that game is near the end of the season. I think it's the final week there before the, before the black Friday game that Iowa has against Nebraska. I think those are two really good defensive teams, teams that need to make a jump offensively. I think that I'm going to throw Maryland, Ohio state in there because yeah. I think I, if there's, if a lot of people have talked about, can Mike Loxley, you know, be the top 25 team? Can he get an upset as you hear my dog lapping water? Uh, because he can't rest for 20 minutes. Um, But I I think one of the things when you look at Maryland is, again, we talk about their offensive and defensive lines. And I think if there's a weakness, at least right now, heading into the season for Ohio State, it is along that offensive line. So I don't think Maryland has the depth or the talent up front to compete with Michigan or Penn State. I think those two teams are too good. But in, in terms of like skill position talent and maybe matching up a little better, I actually do think that they match up better with Ohio state. So if there's a team that, that maybe Maryland can upset this year, I feel like Mm -hmm. Ohio state might be on that. So that adds a level of intrigue to that game. Um, So those are two games that pop out. Like I said, I haven't done a deep dive into some of those games, but uh, look every week, this is, I always make this point. The big 10 West is not a good division. It is an interesting division. So I think when you look at typical matchups and those typical rivalries, Minnesota, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, I think all of those games are going to be interesting. And I think that they all are going to have, because like I said earlier, I think those four teams are going to be in the division race basically till the end of the season. Like we've seen since, I don't know, the beginning of time. Yeah. The big 10 West is like, it's kind of like if like, if Maction was a church league, like an old man's church league softball, like it, like, it's it's it, you're not going to get a lot of excitement or, or points right. and you're going to get a lot of injuries. Usually somebody's going to hurt their back at some point. But it's like, one of those prime number games, man. That you yes. talk about so frequently the prime number games. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like there's like a the big part of me. I would love nothing more this year to see Iowa beat Michigan like 11 to nine. Like I would fucking God. love it. Cause I hate, <laughs> I, I really I, like, I think Michigan is going to be better. Um, it feels weird that we're not talking more about them. I know Tyler and I will talk more in depth about that team. Like when we, we get into like our, our stuff on the podcast, um, looking at it, but like, just like, just finishing up here and talking about the big 10 as a whole. Um, there's a lot of talent in this league from a player standpoint. Like you look at any kind of mock draft, you look at any kind of, you know, top 100 players list, top 50, top 25 players list in the country. I mean, it seems like everyone, like whether it's Michigan, Ohio state or Penn state, it feels like those three teams make up like, I don't know, probably a quarter of the top 25 players in the country. You've got a lot of first round talent on there on both sides of the ball. Um, Give us a name of a player. That's not Blake Corum. That's not, that's not Marvin Harrison jr. That is going to be a, a household name by the end of the year. Man, you're putting out all the pressure on me for somebody who hasn't exclusively covered the Big Ten in so long. This is this is tough. Well, I mean, just throw out. A, you can make up something. You can make up a fucking can, name. Most of our listeners aren't going to know. Just say someone with a bunch of Gs in it. You you did forget Braylon Allen's name, so I feel yes. like I'm I'm pretty safe there. Um, I I mean, I feel like he's already a household name. I do think that. I think that Tanner Mordecai is going to be, I don't know that he's going to be great, but I think in the sense of he's going to be something that Wisconsin hasn't had really since Russell Wilson and Mm -hmm. give them a new look. I think that he's going to be a guy um, that a lot of people talk about. I think that his virginity (laughs) can't even continue with this, but I think, 
I think he's going to be a guy. I mean, Penn State's two running backs, Catron uh, yeah. Allen and Nick Singleton. I mean, these are a lot of guys that already are household names. Um, maybe one guy to keep an eye on um, is Hudson Card, the quarterback at Purdue. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten Network it just recently did their the, uh, training camp stop in West Lafayette. And from everything we've heard, he looks really good, like better than expected ahead of schedule. He fits into that Graham Harrell ske- uh, um, scheme. So I think that's going to be a guy to maybe keep an eye on. Again, it's when you're talking about training camp, it's really difficult to tell because obviously we don't know how good Purdue's defense is going to be. We don't know how skilled the wide receivers are. But that mm-hmm. might be a guy that you could say coming into the season, we know him because he was at Texas, but we don't really know what he can do. I think maybe if if he lives up to what we're seeing from the preseason hype, that might be another guy. So I guess Mordecai and, and – uh, um, and Hudson Carter, the two names I'd throw out there, but there's, yeah. I think there's plenty of guys in the big 10 uh, Anthony Grant, the running back at North, uh, uh, excuse me, at Nebraska is another guy that I think could fit that mold. So just, to, I think there's overall a lot of guys that you could be talking about at the end of the season that uh, maybe okay. you weren't expecting to. All right. Who wins each division? Who wins the conference? And if you have somebody in the playoff, I want to know who, who it is and how far they make it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go – I guess I'm going to go chalk here. I think Michigan gets to the Big Ten championship game, and I think Michigan wins it. From the West, man, this is tough. I'm I'm going to put Wisconsin in there because I mm-hmm. still don't trust Iowa's defense. I think it comes down – or Iowa's offense, excuse me. I think it comes down to those two teams, but I'm going to put Wisconsin, Michigan. And then I think Michigan, they're just going to impose their will. I think Michigan gets back to the college football playoff. I think they'll pro- they might drop a game at some point in the season, but I still think they get there, win the Big Ten championship game, and then I'm going to say that they get to the national championship game, but then fall uh, a game short. Okay, love that. All right, Dustin, tell everyone where they can find you. Give them your home address and social security number, and we will do this again soon. I am in Brownsburg, Indiana. I'm not going to give you my uh, address, but if anybody wants to come out, I need team. I need teammates for trivia night every Wednesday. Oh, that's sad, but yeah. also awesome. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll buy you a beer, or maybe I won't. I don't know. You can bring your own money. But there you go. That's where you can find me. You're falling into old habits having to pay for all my bar tabs. So, love you to buddy. We'll do <laughs> this again true. soon. We appreciate it. All right. So, we appreciate Dustin for coming on and chatting with Chris about the Big Ten. Um, before we get to the paid interview, Chris, a lot of commotion on social media. Not, not altogether too... Um, strange for you you know you're used to a little social media controversy but i've been so good you put out some qb rankings hold on hold on hold on dickhead i have been good (laughs) no i haven't no all right so why don't you just tell (laughs) your side of the story okay i don't like any of your attitude right now just so you know it's not appreciated um so we were talking about doing like like me and alex our social media guy we're talking about let's do like a weekly content like repeatable shit right just for social media and one of the things we always do it's like all right here's the ap poll here's qb rankings here's power rankings we used to do them i would post them when i ran social media like sunday monday monday like start of the week there you go so in my mind okay my only thought was i need to make a graphic for quarterback rankings for a long time and he still might be doing it connor does our weekly quarterback rankings on on sts I love Connor to death. I respect the shit out of Connor. We haven't always gotten along. I respect that dude more and more every single day that passes. And one of the reasons is because he's always done the fucking quarterback rankings. Because the quarterback rankings never go over well with anyone, no, no. matter what. I don't know why. 
it is the most arguable, angry, contentious shit. And, and I totally forgot that because in my mind, I was like, I need to make the graphic. So I made the graphic. And then I was like, oh, shit, I need to make the rankings to go with the graphic. That's how this whole process went, just so okay. we're clear. All and right. I will also say this before we read them off. I still don't know why they people thought they were so bad. Bad. Real bad. <laughs> they were not that bad. Okay, let's go over the rankings. Let's go over the, This is what I had. Now, and here's how here's my thought process going into this. I used career, like last season, talent. And when you look up like halfway through the season or at the end of the season, halfway through the season mainly, this is where I think these players are going to rank. Okay. Okay. You want to read them off or you want me to? I don't like you already fucking laughing, douchebag. You're really starting to get mad about this. I'm so heated. And I'm like, I can feel my heart. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So, number one, KJ Jefferson. Number one, I don't QB think it's arguable. He was preseason all SEC. Why is it, people are upset about that? Uh, number two, Will Rogers. Four year starter has led the country in passing yards every single season. Understands going into a new thing. Kid's been slept on his entire fucking life and in, in career. Again, four-year starter. Go on. Number three, Devin Leary, Kentucky. Now, this is where it gets a little bit weird for people. But okay. Devin Leary, it, yeah, okay, and let's take another step back here, okay? Let's not forget that the SEC lost Bryce Young, the number one overall pick, Anthony Richardson, the number four overall pick, Stetson Bennett, the two-time defending national champion, Hendon Hooker, who would have been a Heisman finalist and put up better numbers than any other quarterback in Tennessee history, Will Levis, who is a projected first-round pick and a revelation at quarterback for Kentucky, no matter how bad he was at turnovers, he's been their best quarterback they've had since at least a decade. You lose all of them. You lose all of them. Are there, is there anyone else I'm forgetting that, that lost to the draft or to the NFL or, or graduation? Stetson Bennett, graduation. I already said him. No, I mean, no. so like, that's, that's five players. There's five quarterbacks at the at the most important position in the conference. There has been not just turnover, but turnover from elite talent to now completely unknowns. So the fact that people were outraged by this is fucking mind blowing to me. Because I started <laughs> off with the two safest picks, and people were still so mad. Anyway, so three mad. Devin Leary. Devin Leary came from NC State, had 35 touchdowns and seven interceptions in his first season as a starter as a freshman in college football. There's not a team on this list right here, including Alabama or Georgia, that wouldn't trade 35 touchdowns and seven picks right fucking now. Not a single player on here. Jaden Daniels, I believe, is kind of overrated. I could be totally wrong on this. His numbers last year, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions through the air. He had 11, 11 touchdowns on the ground. So 28 and three, as much as I hate that combination of numbers as a Falcons fan, 28-3 is a phenomenal season in total touchdowns, interceptions. Took care of the ball so well. They returned 10 starters on offense. They returned everyone around them. You lose, I mean, the only person you lost was Kayshawn Booty. You're very, very deep. You've got depth in the offensive line. Let's not forget the year before he had 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So just back up the season and, and also fourth isn't crazy. I, I don't have a huge problem with it. 
I maybe would go a little higher. I maybe would put Jaden Daniels ahead of Will Rogers. Okay. Now, Will Rogers, um, in hindsight, I think is that's a career award I handed out. And I could yeah. easily see him. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Carson Beck, um, number five. Yeah, Carson Beck. We don't know much about Carson Beck, so this is a projection. Yeah. And you know what the projection's based off of? Because people were mad about this. What's that? I'm I'm gonna tell you, Tyler. Just just picture this. You have the best offensive line in college football. You have the best tight end in college football, the best tight end room in college football, and arguably the deepest receiving core in the entire SEC. I can't imagine why a former four-star, elite 11, top 100 player in the country who's been in the system and had three years to sit or two years to sit before he became a starter would ever be ranked fifth in the top five in SEC quarterbacks in a year with this much turnover. I am out of my mind for putting him there. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I love that you you texted me and Dan the other day saying, Good news, man. I figured out how to put drops in, and it's only two drops. It's just only two <laughs> yeah, drops. Well, I haven't had time to put more in there. <laughs> uh, um, all right, rounding okay. out the 10, Jackson Dart, number seven, Joe Milton, number eight, Spencer Rattler, number nine, Connor Wegman, number 10, Jalen Milrow. Now, I think one through five, I'd say six through 10, I, I think you could put it any real. I Maybe you would have Rattler over Jackson Dart. I, I had Rattler have... ahead of Milton at seven at first. Yeah. And then I changed it because of the offensive line at South Carolina has not been great. He's had a lot of turnovers. And then the offense, Milton is going to put up really good numbers. I'll give you a hot take right now. Connor Wigman finishes in the top five. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, uh, this obviously was uh, very controversial. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube here, you can see in the comments, even Aaron Murray said, this is awful. Direct quote. Direct quote right here in the comments. 520 likes. This is awful. Now, we're going to address this right now, Aaron. No, go back. Go back. Okay. Because I want you to read this as I read you his his list that he wrote, he wrote out today. Okay. Bring up the fucking graphic again. Read the top 10 right now. KJ Jefferson, Will Rogers, Devin Leary, Jaden Daniels, Carson Beck, Jackson Dart, Joe Milton, Spencer Rattler, Connor Wegman, Jalen Milrow. Aaron Murray, his top 14 uh, quarterback rankings. You ready? Number one, Jaden Daniels. Number In the two, country? K- no, no, this is SEC. Okay, all right. Number two, KJ Jefferson. Number right. three, Devin Leary. Okay. Two of the top three are the same. Yep. Who'd you say you thought the biggest the biggest weird one for me was Jackson Dart? Number four, Jackson Dart. Number five, Spencer Rattler. Number six, Carson Beck. So number seven, Joe Milton. Okay. Number eight, Connor Wigman. I see where you're going with this. Number nine, Will Rogers. Number 10, AJ Swan. Ty Simpson's Pey- Ty Simpson, Peyton Thorne, Brady Cook, Graham Mertz. The top 10, we had almost identical top 10s. He just had Will He's, Rogers way down the list. That must have been what was awful. He had Will Rogers way down the list. I, I texted him back when he posted this shit, and I said, Aaron, just to be clear. Were you we starting to fight with Aaron Murray? No, we're not fighting at all. Okay. I like Aaron. Aaron likes me. I said, we have two of the same top three. Six of the same top seven, 
Carson Beck was off by one spot. Joe Milton was in the same spot at seven. Why was my list awful? What am I fucking missing? What did he say? He was like, oh, I'm just kidding, man. I was just giving you a hard time. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I was just, I was just, I was just funning, just man. Just funning. We're just goofing around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, listen, I hate, I'm not making, well, I'll, I'll probably keep making them, but I was just like, people were, people were just out for fucking blood on that one. And I mean, out for fucking blood. Well, speaking of Out for Blood, we were out for blood with this interview that we got coming up. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it was so much fun. Because we're coming for keeps. And by the way, before we get into it, I'll just end the pod here for us, and then we'll just get into the paid interview. Um, pod is rocketing right now. Yeah. The pod is doing numbers we have never seen. So we appreciate you guys telling all your friends. Yeah. If we could get all of you that have downloaded the podcast in the last mm -hmm. month to tell a friend, we might be the biggest podcast on the planet. That's a stretch. Yeah, but we'd be close. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I genuinely, I was telling someone this today, and I've said it to you, it just kind of feels like all the things are finally starting to happen. And I'm so happy in, in life in general right now. And I'm so proud of you, and I'm, and I'm proud of you, and I, I really can't say thank you enough to all of our, all the listeners because it really does mean a lot. And it, and it feels like it's one of those things where it's like, it feels like this is where we should be, but it right. also feels like it's only the beginning of where we're going. And I'm very, very excited about it. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all you guys that listen. So yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Go. It will help us on the growth of the show. If you'd rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, leave us a review on Apple. We'll read the best ones. Like and subscribe to the YouTube page. Don't forget to check out the SDS podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara. And now the great Josh Pate. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We've got a special guest. Uh, some of you may know him, but some of you may not. So I asked chat GPT who he was. Mm. Have, you, have you done this yet, Josh? I'm very interested to see where we go. I have oatmeal in my mouth. So yeah, I, it, I, how I do you like do this? First off, right this when you perfect. put it in your mouth. Uh, Josh Page is a college football analyst and commentator known for his work in the field of sports broadcasting. It's been associated with the sports media network, 247 sports mm -hmm. where he hosts podcasts and provides insights and analysis related mm -hmm. to college football and recruiting. Did it, mention any, did it mention any potential work I've done in like um, Uganda and whatnot? No, a lot of, a lot of softball talk. But we took all that out because it was, it was so extensive. Yeah. Well, yeah. someone did that when, when ChatGPT first became a thing. So I have a well-documented rivalry with the dude who created Outer Banks because we're both named Josh Pate. And normal people have been thrown for a loop with that. So imagine yeah. how ChatGPT uh, encoded that kind of information when it scraped the internet. It's been a mess. Still working would, on it. I would say, based on that was the first result, that you've kind of taken over the spot of the top Josh Pate on Earth. Yeah, it's, it's really all I care. I don't care about picking the national champion. I just want people to think me when they think of the Josh Pate instead of just a Josh Pate. Anyone can cool. be a Josh Pate. All you need is parents for that to happen. Right. <laughs> and also, if we're being honest, like season three sucked of Outer Banks anyway. So that was okay. like, I was disappointed look, when I saw it. Look, now, um, I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but it didn't suck. It, it, it may not have been great. the Godfather in series four, but it didn't suck. We'll okay, talk offline about this, Marler. I disagree with that. 
Let me just tell you the entire season in, in 30 or in 10 seconds. This Boiler is the alert. The, okay, I'm not gonna tell you the, I'm not gonna tell you what happens. This is just John B's dad in every single waking moment. He was on the episode. Come on, John B. Come on. That was That's the whole true. that was the whole thing. It was like a it was like a really, really treasure starved Ed Orgeron trying to get other people to do something that he yes. wouldn't do himself. That's, okay. <laughs> and last question before we actually get started, the real question. So like the chat GPT thing, like, so I know that people Google themselves. I made that mistake once, but like, what's douchier to ask chat GPT about yourself or Google yourself? I Googled myself because someone asked me, have you Googled yourself lately? And I was like, shit, shoot. Sorry, Josh. And I was like, what happened? They're like, it's bad. It's real bad. And I was like, cool. Oh. Awesome. Um, I think in a perfect world, you get someone to chat GPT yourself for you. And yeah. then you just eat sugar-free oatmeal while they read it to you. That's, that's how right. you want to break the ice on any kind of interview. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. All right. Let's get into some questions here, Tyler. All right, let's do it. Um, I went to Florida state. Why is everybody so mad at Florida state for wanting to leave the ACC? It's clear where this thing is going. They can't be the only school in the ACC with this mindset. So, but all you see online right now is people are like, wow, bunch of idiots putting this out in the open like this when they have nowhere to go nobody wants them you, um i assume both of you watched the office yeah yeah okay so you remember when when will farrell came in there for a hot minute and it was d'angelo vickers and they had the inner circle mm -hmm. and everyone hated the inner circle until andy got invited to the inner circle and then he was in that room in two seconds flat that's leaving the acc right now and i don't think either of you have ever lived in cleveland or detroit or pittsburgh but I've got I've got friends up there and they tell me all the time the stories about in any kind of Rust Belt city, when mm -hmm. people who grew up there move to Phoenix or Atlanta or Miami, they, they are viewed almost with a crab mentality. When one crab tries to climb out of the bucket, the other crabs pull it back down. And it's like, well, if we're not going to get out of here, we don't want you to get out of here either. Right. All due respect, Cleveland. And I think the same thing's happening in the ACC. It is like Conference Cleveland circa 1995 right now. And FSU wants to explore the tech space or explore, you know, want to go out to Hollywood and create things. Yeah. And they're like, no, you're going to come to the steel mill every day for the rest of your life. And I don't think they want to do that so much. That is such, also, side note, you nailed the three cities. Miami, Atlanta, Phoenix, like yep. just just nailed it. Yeah. Your and your extensive knowledge on crabs is different than mine was in college, but I, I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> um, so, so <laughs> my first question for you, my first. I, question I for googled you, you Marler, so I already knew that. I'm just <laughs> proud that you revealed that to everyone else. <laughs> um, okay, so my first question is this: Listen, you, we're we're all the talking business. You do it better than anybody, and we love it. Um, but the narrative this off season, you're just so like. And it can't be realigned because I feel like you're just so sick of talking about whether if you're just ready for the season the way so you can just stop you put it to bed. Well, your feed has crabs right now. So I'd like you to repeat everything you just said again, please. Perfect. Good. Um, okay. So what I'm saying is the narrative this off season that you, that you are tired of speaking of whether oh. good or bad. Yeah. Okay. So, there's this thing happening right now in the college football world where if you even whisper, hey, I think Texas could be decent this year, 47 people come at you with, we do this every year. You do this every right. year. And so I had to go Dante's Peak, which I do about two or three times a year on the show as we're recording last night. And that's mm -hmm. this, the boy who cried wolf, but I just choose disaster films instead of that. 
as my metaphor to college football. There is a world where Texas has been overhyped for a long time. That's this world. Mm. We live in it. It doesn't mean I always participated in it. So when I start to hype Texas and I believe they could win the Big 12 and I believe they could at least challenge for a playoff spot, I've never said that before. But right. yet, anytime you start to say it, you get lumped in with everybody in preview magazine culture and whatnot that's always had Texas on the forefront of the covers because, well, they move covers. And right. also with the Dante's Peak thing, like just because something's been dormant, doesn't mean it's extinct. There's a big difference between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, rice, rice football, food, as I like to call them, extinct. Uh, they are not coming back. They're not challenging right. for a playoff spot. Former Southwest Conference uh, foe of Texas. Texas could be back any year. And so the other thing I don't like, since we've gone down this little rabbit hole, is anytime you start talking about Texas, people say, oh, they always recruited well. Oh, they always had talent. Well, they didn't. You right. got lied to. You got lied to by the recruiting industry, but the recruiting industry did not tell the lie. You misinterpreted what was happening. So if Pate State signs 25 five-star receivers this cycle, mm -hmm. I will have the number one class in the country. I will suck because right. I did not recruit proportionally. Well, Texas right. didn't either. They had no O-line, D-line help. They, they, they were converting wide receivers to go play secondary. That's how many wide right. receivers they had. So basically, I look at it as they went and bought a ton of ornaments and had no tree to hang them on. And But people, yeah. they looked at the ornaments and they said, those are really, really fancy ornaments. So there's a lot of misnomers out there about Texas. And you can't speak intelligently about them right now because you just get a, a bunch of that thrown in your face. Well, real quick, I'm going to, this is a follow-up thing. This, this is my next question. I'm a huge believer in Texas. Everything you just said, nail on the head. With like the receivers at one point, when Sark got there, he had 18 receivers and eight offensive linemen. Right. And you're like, what are you going to do here? Like, like, like what, what are we supposed to do with that? So, and I know that like, I just asked you what you were tired of talking about. And that was the, that was the first one. So I'm going to actually talk about it. Of course, but you can mm -hmm. do it briefly. Like I'm a huge believer in Texas. I always say when Sark has dudes, he is really good. He is one of the best offensive minds in the country. If not the best, he's got dudes everywhere. Just tell, tell our listeners one last time, because your people trust you more than me for whatever reason, why Texas is Probably going to be good this year. Yeah. Probably crabs thing, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so you want to know why I believe in them? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the dudes Sark has. I always started the receiver position with him. And there's a difference in him having one or two mm -hmm. versus having four of them that are racehorses. So right. you had him on the show a couple of weeks ago or last week, and he said what everyone should have already known. He said, I've had Xavier Worthy since I've been here, but we've had to put so much more on his plate than we should have. Then A.D. Mitchell transfers over. The Nayer kid from Wyoming that would have been a star last year got hurt. Well, he's back. Jordan Winnington's like 30, 38 years old. He's back again. Mm -hmm. They're really good at tight end and underrated because no one talks about tight ends there. And I think maybe from a 30,000-foot perspective, people see a talent like B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson walk out, and they think, uh, how are you going to replace that? Well, they've got skill out there. Brought in a five-star right. freshman. they got Brooks, who's been there and averaged over six yards a carry when they handed it to him last year. Uh, Kelvin Banks, when I was out there for the Bama game last year, I was in the facility Friday, and I was talking mm -hmm. to some of their coaches, and they said, there's a true freshman, Kelvin Banks, who's already starting for us. They said he walked in, and in the first rep of, of spring practice last year, said he was the best player on our field. As a true freshman, 18 years old, he actually wasn't even 18, I think, when they started spring practice. Wow. So – 
he's a sophomore now. And point is, they didn't have guys like that. And right. the other thing to keep in mind is if you'll go back to the Cincinnati-Arkansas game last year to start the season, uh, Arkansas squeaks by, but they lost two guys in the secondary for the season. Mm -hmm. One of them was Jalen Catalan. He transferred to Texas. He is healthy now, and they're pairing him with a couple other really good options there, and it makes all the difference in the world. Texas actually was not bad defensively right. last year, but they can be a lot better in defending the forward pass. And so yeah. when I start to throw that stuff together, and like we've all seen – what Sark looks like with legit weapons. I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen a better offense in the history of this sport than Bama 2020. Right. And so like that was as efficient as a video game could have ever been. I'm not saying he's to that talent level, but he's plenty far enough down that road for them to be pretty lethal this fall. I actually think they go above and beyond the minimum baseline requirement to buy into them. Yeah. Maybe the answer to this uh, question is the program we're talking about, but who is a program or maybe a handful of programs that based on coach staff recruiting infrastructure, maybe conference is the most likely to graduate to that tier of like Bama, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, that top tier right now, that's kind of clicking on all cylinders. So LSU is the easy answer here. They're already on their way. I don't think anyone would be shocked by that. I mean, I, I would go the opposite way. I'd be shocked if, if you fast forwarded three years for me and LSU wasn't a mainstay in the national, mm -hmm. but since that wouldn't shock people, could I talk to you about Penn state for a second? Yes. And could I talk to you about what would happen if they won the big 10 this year, if they, mm -hmm. if they were a playoff team this year, because I think that's the only domino that hasn't really been knocked down up there. But the thing about it is they have been layer by layer. They've never made a quantum leap. In all of James Franklin's time this, or up there, they haven't made that quantum leap. They didn't do a TCU 2022. Right. It's just been kind of quiet. And uh, one of the toughest lessons to learn in this sport is progress is not always linear. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can get better and have one fewer wins this year than I did last year. Um, I think Penn State's been that. I think COVID messed them up disproportionately, and it's taken them a while to get back roster-wise. But – They've got a head coach as a defensive coordinator right now in Manny Diaz. Like, yeah. he's really good. They've got a head coach as their running backs coach in Jaywan Sider. He just hasn't gone anywhere because he makes about a million dollars a year to coach a position. Right. And so he's happy right now. They've got, a, they've got an incredible coaching staff. They've got the best roster he's had, James Franklin. They've got the best quarterback talent that he's had there. And I'm thinking to myself, all they need is proof of production at the highest level. All they need is that concept. Hey, look, we won the Big Ten East in 2023. And they take that out in recruiting where they're already doing a pretty good job. And not only do they maybe turn it up from nine to ten, but they also become a portal destination. And normally, right. the teams that we've seen that are benefiting from the portal are either really, really poverty programs trying to rebuild or they're second and third tier programs like Kentucky or UCLA, who the second time around are able to say, okay, you got all the bells and whistles in your high school recruitment. Now let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Don't worry about the logo. Come where you can win and get developed. Well, Penn State is the best of both worlds. That's a major right. program that has the bells and whistles, but also has the sleeves up sort of blue collar approach of we also develop kids really well. I've just thought that they're sitting in a position for a few years now where they can be the next it program. It's the classic difference between cannot and have not. Right. That's okay. So, and I love that, too, because I, I'm really high on them. I think them and Wisconsin could really, really screw things up for, for Michigan and Ohio State this oh, yeah. year. 
Um, my my follow-up question that maybe it is Wisconsin. I don't know. Team outside the, the top 15 or 20, it happens every year. Like every single year, there's teams that are either top 10, top 25 that finish unranked and obviously vice versa. But the team outside the top 15 or 20 that you think we look up in December is, is in the top 10 or, or that kind of caliber at the end of the year? I just mentioned them, actually. It's UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in that little – they're in that bunch of teams. There's half a dozen teams in the Pac-12 that are kind of lumped into the, you know, the odds where they realistically could win the conference. Then there's a cliff, and then you find the rest of the Pac-12 at the bottom of the cliff. So it's very obvious how odds makers view it. UCLA lost, lost DTR quarterback. He's been there forever. I think that's what people see. Mm-hmm. And they know they got Dante Moore, the five-star true freshman, but I think people also just are not going to hitch their wagon to a true freshman quarterback unless he's on an Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia roster. Well, at UCLA, you don't have that. What you do have is the Penn State approach. They've layer by layered it. So it's a really, it's a really underrated roster if you look at it, and especially the top 50 guys on the roster. But mm-hmm. also, I don't think the sport of college football has come to a head coach any more the last five years than our sport has come to Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly doesn't like recruiting. Um, Chip Kelly at Oregon was five steps ahead of everyone. So he took athletes that were B and C options, made him or made them his A option and just caught everyone by surprise and did things that other folks hadn't seen done at UCLA. He's not going to take the sport by surprise with his offense anymore, but what he can do is he can do what I was just talking about with Kentucky. He can very, be very selective with NIL and go get a Dante Moore quarterback. He can portal guys like Carson Steele in from the Mac, who have played a ton of football, very dependable. Dude's got a pet alligator, so you know he's legit. And he, he goes out there. Yeah, and they can, they, can just, they can just keep bringing guys in that are proven commodities, and they can. I think they can win this year. Like I think mm-hmm. if things fall right, if they get probably like plus three – in that net one possession win loss metric, yeah. and if they if they have USC turnover luck this year, they could be that. I think Wisconsin was a really good one that Marler just pointed out. I also think Texas Tech bears very close mm-hmm. watching. I like that. Most valuable player in the country, and what I mean by this is, if this player misses this game based on the depth chart of the team, that point spread might change dramatically. Um, it may still be, I'll tell you who it may be is Bo Nix up at Oregon. That's who it may be because Nix was Nix is a guy that can have them in the playoff conversation. And when I say that, I mean, combined with their defensive front talent acquisition, because that's, that's probably the hidden key for Oregon that no one's talking about. Everyone's infatuated with quarterback out there, but behind him, I'm not so sure they have a ready-made PAC 12 caliber guy. Uh, That's why, they view him internally as the most important recruit they landed this last cycle, even though he wasn't a recruit, but they, they had to convince him because I think it was more a father thing than Bo Nix, but Bo Nix's father uh, was heavily leaning NFL, NFL, and they ended up getting him back. And that was a huge win, huge win. That guy could change the course of the PAC 12 in their final year this year. This is what I love about, about talking football with you paid is that this is, I didn't send you any of the questions like, like a professional probably would have him. But the next question I had up is Bo Nix became a totally different player after portal going to Oregon a year ago. Totally different player, right? Um, who player that is coming out of the portal from this past offseason that can do that? Oh, man. Um, you know, it could be Peyton Thorne down at Auburn. He needs to win the job first. 
but it could be him. Yeah. I mean, think about that dude's career. Two years ago, I'd never been to East Lansing, Michigan before. So two years mm -hmm. ago, I go up there. They're playing Michigan. That, that's the big year for Mel Tucker, not the horrific right. year. And they end up winning. I think they come from behind. It's like 37-33 or something like that. Uh, wild scene. Just an incredible scene. And I remember how high he was flying as a quarterback. Same dude the next year, last year, just terrible, like horrifically bad. Right. Entire team, dumpster fire. And so now he transfers down to play with Hugh Freeze. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if anyone's all of a sudden just going to like scale or spike their offensive productivity, could it not be that guy in year one, in year mm -hmm. one? So both of them under a new head coach down there in uh, Hugh Freeze. I think about him. I think a number of these guys like um, – Keon Coleman, for example, also Michigan State, that went down to Florida State. That could be a really big one. Uh, that I, The dude's name escapes me. That offensive lineman that went from Miami to Tennessee, he's going to be really important. Yeah. So I'm trying Tyler to Buckner, which I'll say it for you. I mean, I, I knew you were going to get there anyway, so. Sure, yeah, because, I mean, look, those clipboards get very, very heavy. Very heavy. <laughs> it's fair. Fair. Tyler, let's get one more here, and then we'll do two-minute drill and get, get Josh out of here for his workout. All right. Uh, we've heard of Late Kick, okay, wildly popular podcast, YouTube show. Whom's among us has outkicked their coverage with a mystery woman on Instagram? Me. You? Yeah. Okay. I've done that. I've done that That's before. It was a rhetorical question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've done that. I haven't. It's, I'll it's say that. just a situation. Like I, I am the most notoriously private person on the face of the earth. I don't even know my social security number. That's how private I am. And so I was doing a radio hit driving through the middle of nowhere, Alabama, last weekend. And I was doing a CBS sports radio hit. Unbeknownst to me, I had a passenger, maybe a hitchhiker, maybe just a looky-loo, but whomstever it was, was in the passenger seat. And she was recording me and she just caught like one eighth of her face. Yeah. And then me. And um, I, I decided to have fun with it. I decided, uh, let's see, I did a, I did a bio scan. No, everything comes back negative. I cannot possibly tell your identity. Let's upload it. Disaster. Absolute <laughs> disaster. The I messaged you within seconds. Yeah. Like, like in seconds I saw it and I was like, what is this? <laughs> the DMs are a wasteland. I still haven't gotten through all of it. I added I added several hundred followers though, so I highly recommend it. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to do that now too. Uh, I don't think it's going to work out the same at all. But um, no, we're happy for you. We're always happy to see good people have good things happen to them. So let's let's get out of here on this note. We'll do two minute drill. It's a quick game. We haven't played this in a while, so probably a little bit rusty. Um, but we're going to ask you ten questions, rapid fire, just kind of like we did outside uh, in Nashville, and and we'll we'll get you out of here. So, are you ready? I think so. Okay. First question. What is your secret girl's name? Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, question. When you become CFP commissioner, what's the very first thing you do? College football national championship game on a Saturday. Love that. Uh, what's on your gym playlist right now? Top song. Or, or I, do not believe in, I do not believe in music while I work out. You're an unbelievable person. Okay, fine. Psycho um, Go to order at Chick-fil-A. Um, 12 count nugget with a spicy uh, chicken sandwich deluxe on the side, entree only, large sweet tea. Love that. Okay. Uh, bucket list concert. 
uh, Fleetwood Mac, The Dance. If I could have been there in 1997, that would have been great. I assume you're talking about the future. Uh, the future, yes. I am told I should see Chris Stapleton live. That's what I'm told. Yeah. So, so Connor, real big on that. My, uh, my, my former co-host, he, he saw him, like, I think accidentally. He was opening something. It was fantastic. All right, uh, fourth question. What happens first, Jimbo retires or – I'm sorry, Saban retires or Jimbo wins the West? Saban retires. Love that. I don't love that. Um, more success in year one, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin or Hugh Freeze at Auburn? Luke Fickle. More likely to happen, Alabama goes 12-0 and or Alabama loses four games? Alabama goes 12-0. and Thank God. I love you for that. Um, your favorite line from Twister? Um, Joe, things go wrong. You can't explain it. You can't predict it. I'm sorry your dad died, but it was a long time ago. You got to move on. Stop living in the past and look at what you got right in front of you. What are you saying? Me, Joe. Pan that out. is so good. That is good. Damn. I kind of want to end on it, but we're not going to because I don't know how to ever quit things. Um, God, that's good. Also, Con Air was on yesterday when I was texting you, just so you Unbelievable. know. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I asked you for something that should have been timely, and your entire response to me was, I'm sorry, Con Air was on this morning. That was it. That was the bail me out. <laughs> now you know my, my, like daily existence. my daily existence with Marler is that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm getting better, or I'm not. I don't know. All right. What's your next vacation? I have no clue. Probably going to a week one college football game. I don't even know how to spell vacation at this point. Fair. Um, do the Braves have the starting pitching to win the World Series? They sure do. Yes. See, Commissioner, you're forced to hire me. What's my title and role at the company? I'll, uh, I'll translate. Yeah, please do. You are the college fish, uh, football commissioner. You have to hire Chris. Mm -hmm. What is his title and role? Oh, he's just proxy. That's like Robert Dunder when he comes and speaks to Dunder Mifflin and they're saying, oh man, he still attends board meetings. Oh, I haven't attended a board meeting in years. I send a proxy. Look at that. Sends his own proxy. Marler is my proxy. <laughs> okay. I'll take that. The way you closed with it, it made me sound better. We're going to add that up real quick. That is 69 points out of hundred. That is a new high score. We appreciate it. Pate, um, I would usually say tell everyone where they could you do that if you want. We, we really appreciate time. You're fantastic. I'm so happy to watch your success and nothing but more on the future. Okay, here's my here's my impression of Marley going out. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you so much. Love you all.